This is most certainly true. Jesus is the King, and He's coming soon. Our celebration of His Christmas arrival is coming soon, but His return is coming soon as well. Are you ready? He makes us ready through faith and opens our eyes to expect and to see and to welcome His return, to take us to live with Him forever. Get your hearts and lives more prepared for the King through this sermon. Recently delivered at Grace. First reading is from the book of Isaiah, the prophet, chapter 61. God comforts Isaiah's people and he comforts us with the news of a Savior who comes to clothe us in his righteousness and glory. These words will serve also as the basis for today's sermon. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, the Messiah says, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The Word of the Lord. In order for any relationship to work, it has to be a give-take relationship. Guys, if you want your significant other to watch a war movie with you, you probably better carve out some time for a few romantic comedies. Give and take. If you want her to go to the game with you, you probably better go also get tickets to the ballet. But it's not just dating or marriage relationships that are give and take. Friendships are give and take relationships too. That's the way that it works. If you show up every day to your friend's house and you go first to the fridge to fill up a plate of food and then second to the couch and there you sit and you eat and you don't say a word and then you leave and you come back and repeat the next day, if that's what you call a relationship, eventually you're going to come to find the locks have been changed and you are minus One friend. Friendships, relationships don't work if they're not give and take. It doesn't work with your job. If your plan is to show up for one hour every other Friday to take your paycheck, guess what? Your boss is going to stop giving it. If you want to take a paycheck, you have to give. Your effort and your energy, all for the good of the company. That's how relationships work. They're give and they're take. 
Today we are going to see how Advent and really the entirety of the Christian life is give and take. This Advent, as we look forward to the King's arrivals, we'll celebrate that our relationship with our King is give and take. The only difference is this. It's Jesus who does both. Jesus both takes away from us sin and bad things in our lives, and he gives us richly and freely of his blessings. The prophet Isaiah wrote the words that are before us today more than 800 years before they came to fruition, yet listen to the specific nature in which the Messiah speaks through Isaiah's pen of himself. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. News has meaning to you only in as far as it impacts your interests or your life. If I shared with you the news that the Milwaukee Bucks had their first preseason game last night, you might consider that newsworthy if you're a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks or if you plan on following their voyage to the postseason and hopefully a title this year. But if you're not a fan of the NBA, if you don't care about the Bucks, guess what? That's not news. If I told you that the price of cable TV was set to go up, in the coming months. That might concern you if you are a subscriber to cable TV. If you have already cut the cord, if you don't care about cable TV, then that piece of news isn't going to be newsworthy. If I told you what was happening with property taxes on the other side of the state, you might shrug your shoulders and say, hmm. If I told you what property tax was was doing in your hometown and how it was going to impact the bill that you get and you have to pay. Now you probably would pay attention and have a little bit more interest. If I told you about a rare disease that's impacted a small percentage of population in the country of Australia and doctors are close to a cure, you might have enough of an interest in that it's always nice when medical advances can improve and save lives, but it's something that's probably not going to impact you. But if I told you about the vaccine for the coronavirus, now your ears are going to perk up. Now you're going to pay a little bit of attention because that's going to impact, if not specifically your health, for sure your livelihood and our economy. When God gives us the news flash about the Messiah coming through the prophet Isaiah... It's his prayer that our ears would perk up. It's his prayer that we would see instantly how this impacts our lives. The Lord has anointed one to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That headline only makes a difference to you if you recognize that you are one of those people. Poor, brokenhearted, captive. There are plenty of people in this world who don't see themselves among that list, and that's why they don't care what Isaiah says today. They don't consider this to be newsworthy for them or have any impact in their lives because for them, poor, brokenhearted, captive, that's not me. I know some people for whom those are good descriptions, but not 
for me, John the Baptist conducted a ministry to a group of people, many, many people, almost a whole nation who felt that way about themselves. That's not me. But to them, John the Baptist proclaimed a one-word message. Repent. And it wasn't just to those people who came out into the wilderness to hear John the Baptist preach. It's to ears of faith like yours and like mine who can hear the words of our gospel today, who can hear the message of John the Baptist and recognize that he's speaking to us, to our lives, to our hearts. We can hear and take to heart and put into action his one-word warning to us, repent. Because poor, broken-hearted captive is exactly what we are. Even though our bank accounts might not show it or the place where you live might not reveal it, we all are poor, spiritually poor, spiritually bankrupt, incapable of buying or bribing our way into God's favor. We have nothing to offer, can bring nothing to the table that will enhance our relationship with God. All we bring is our empty, hollow, sin-filled lives. Even though your medical report might indicate that you have a good heart, spiritually our hearts are sick, broken. We are all impacted by a devastating disease called sin. And if that disease is left unchecked, it will have great consequences, even could cause eternal death. Sin sick is exactly what we are. And even though many of you, I'm sure none of you, are here because of a release from prison... Maybe our live stream will make it that far, and that would be an awesome thing to have the opportunity to proclaim to a real captive the freedom we have in Jesus. But probably most of you aren't in literal captivity, but spiritually that's exactly what we are. Bound to sin. Locked down by the sin we inherit from our parents and heaped under a debt of our own sins, our own faults, and our own failures, we can do nothing to get ourselves out. And so the headline of God's grace, the anointed one, the one that was set apart as special to deliver us from this bondage, to heal our broken hearts, to make us who were poor to be rich in him, that ought to perk our ears up and and resonate because it has an impact for more than just our lives. It has an impact for our eternities. The Lord has anointed one to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That's you and that's me. That's what you and I used to be. Thank God we can talk about that in the past tense because Christ Jesus has set us free. Jesus himself tells us precisely how he's done it. It was these very words that he read in a Nazareth synagogue. He unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, read these words from what we know as Isaiah chapter 61, and then looked up and said to them, Today, today this scripture is fulfilled 
in your hearing. Jesus himself claimed, and rightly so, to be the Messiah, to be the one that was anointed. Jesus was the one who proclaims good news to those who are spiritually poor and live their lives in humility. Jesus is the one who shakes, shakes the chains free from sin by enduring sin's pains, by allowing himself to be captive and bound. He offered his arms to be bound to a cross so that we could be set free. He offered his body to be broken for us, broken by our sin so that we could be made whole, so that we could live. His free body was tied down. His free body was laid in a tomb so that death couldn't harm us anymore. Jesus is the one who came to preach good news to us. News of deliverance, news of peace, news of everlasting life, news of our salvation. Now it would only stand to reason that Jesus who gives us such good things would expect some sort of payment in return. After all, aren't all relationships give and take? It would make good sense that if Jesus is giving us good things and if we would expect him to continue to give us good things that we would put that weight on ourselves to try to give good things back, but that's not the way it works. You see, Jesus is the one who gives and who takes. It's all on him. He will accept no payment from us, which is a good thing because there's no payment that we can offer. We can contribute nothing to our salvation, but rather Jesus has done it all. Isaiah offers us a list. A list of the things that the Messiah, a list of things that our Jesus was anointed to do. He says he was anointed to bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus sees the bad in your lives and takes it away. Instead of the tears that would have to run down our face, Jesus gives us something else, the oil of gladness to run down on our cheeks. Instead of ashes, like should adorn our head, he gives us a crown of splendor. Instead of the sackcloth that we should wear in sorrow and mourning and despair, he gives us something better. He adorns us in garments of splendor. Instead of our own merits, he gives us his own righteousness and robes us with that righteousness so that we can stand pure and holy before our righteous God. Even the things that would seem to be bad in our lives, the things that we might put in that category, things like pain, suffering, persecution, hardships, loneliness, even those are things, those things that we would call bad are things that God calls good, or at least that God says that he will turn to good for our eternities. God sometimes uses hardships and difficult times to draw us closer to him because that's what he really wants. He wants us to be with him forever. We have a God who takes the bad from our lives, strengthens us to endure what we must, and promises nothing but eternal good for those who believe in him. Our gifts play no part in our salvation. 
Nothing that we could do, nothing that we could give. And in fact, if you think about it, even the gifts that we offer are God's gifts. He's the one who has given us everything that we have when we give an offering. We're just giving back to God part of what he has given to us. He's the one who sanctifies us through and through. He's the one who gives us the new heart with a new desire to strive to honor him with our lives. He's the one who cleanses our gifts so that they aren't what they would be otherwise, so that they aren't gross and detestable things to him. He's the one who makes our garments to be white as snow. Filthy rags we offer no more, but rather those gifts that have been made pure and holy by our God. That's why he says, I delight greatly in the Lord, Isaiah says, My soul rejoices in my God. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Even the things that we give, even the praise that we offer, our example of God's continued giving to us. He gives us opportunity to praise him. He gives us eyes of faith that can see him. He he gives us a heart of faith that can seek to serve him and those around us with our lives. He causes the seed of faith to grow and then nurtures it to sprout forth into a garden of faith fruits. So my friends, let's take advantage of the opportunity that God gives us. Let's serve him right where we are. We don't need to go off to a far-off land, and we don't need to dream up some grandiose gestures in order to serve those around us. We can serve those that God has put into our circle of influence. We can serve those that God has put into our lives, our family, our friends, our neighbors, simply by offering a caring hand, simply by offering gestures of kindness and words of love. We can pray for those around us, We can give them things, gifts of our plenty to help them with their physical needs. And when God opens the door of opportunity for gospel proclamation, we can give them something even more valuable, even more meaningful, even more lasting. We can give them a life-giving gospel message, sins forgiven through a Savior who was anointed to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. Let's rejoice in the opportunities that we have, that we can help others through the power of the Spirit to rejoice in a relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is one that is unlike any relationship that we have here on earth. It's a give-and-take relationship, but Jesus does both because that's how much he loves us. He takes the bad away from us and our lives and he replaces it with goodness and blessing and eternal joy. He gives us a sure and certain promise of forgiveness and life everlasting in heaven. In heaven we will experience an eternal give and take. Eternally taken away will be sorrow, sadness, mourning, and death. Eternally sin will be a thing of our past. And given to us in endless measure, for endless days, riches and glory and peace. 
We'll praise him then. So let's praise him now. The one who gives and who takes. The Lord, Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.